Thank you, Riley. So <clears throat> Advent is a season, well, actually I should probably introduce myself. My name is Nick Pickerell. I'm the organizer and founding pastor of The Open Table. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. Advent is a season of anticipation. It's a time where we look to the birth of Christ, where as Eugene Peterson describes in the message translation, God put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. It's a time when the church celebrates God coming and dwelling among us. So churches historically have walked through the Advent season focusing on uh, four different Advent themes, peace, joy, love, and hope. So tonight we're gonna be walking through each of these themes as part of our Christmas Eve service. And as we have said in our promotion for tonight, uh, we're gonna be focusing on how each of these Advent themes have communal implications for us. So the first theme of Advent we're gonna be talking about is peace. But peace is a largely misunderstood word. Uh, take Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, for instance. 
in it, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. What I love about this language is that it says, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the peacekeepers. And there's a big difference. Uh, in my own life, I have had to fight against the urge to be a people pleaser. Uh, I just wanted conflict to go away. So I would just jump straight to solutions, even if it came at the cost of not getting my own needs met. And as we all know, that's probably not the healthiest thing for me or for any of us. And it doesn't ever really address address the root issue. It skips right over the pain that was caused and goes straight to a fake kind of peace, a Midwest nice that never really addresses the conflict at hand, but instead chooses to settle for niceties and civility. And we could just as easily expand this out to talk about our own society, right? Think about the issue of racial justice. I'm sure you've either heard or said comments like, I don't see color or that stuff ended with Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. I mean, just look at Oprah and Barack Obama. We're past this thing. But at the same time, uh, knowing that our country still skips over the history of how intricately, intricately embedded racism was from the beginning and how our country still hasn't made reparations for over 400 years of physical enslavement and trauma and economic, political, social exclusion, these comments play out like Midwest nice. These comments play out like we white folks don't wanna sit in the tension that comes when we face our collective past and present. These comments sound like peacekeeping to me instead of peacemaking. Martin Luther King, uh, the civil rights giant said this, true peace is not merely the absence of tension. It is the presence of justice. Folks, when we talk about being peacemakers, we are talking about people who step, step into conflict, face it head on, and actually make peace. They don't just keep the peace, they make it. And true communal peace can never happen unless we face the violence, the oppression, the war, and the conflict, and say no more. True peace won't come unless we face our collective past, make amends, and then together we can work towards a community where justice is present. So to close out this section about peace, let's look at a peacemaker that is often spoken of during the season of Advent, John the baptizer or John the Baptist. So in Mark one, the gospel says this about John the baptizer. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of collective sin. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their collective sin, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. So how can we be like John the Baptist? 
how can we prepare the way for justice to come in its fullness on earth as it is in heaven? How can we preach a message of repentance, a message that calls us out of our complicity and complacency with oppression? In this passage, John baptizes people as a ritual of cleansing, a ritual of new birth, a ritual that serves as a rite of passage where people emerge from the water ready to speak up and act up against injustice. This cleansing water marks the people who are committed to justice, who are committed to ending oppression, which leads to a lasting peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So as we reflect on what it means to be marked as peacemakers and in the spirit of John the baptizer, the one who prepared the way for the Lord, I invite you to take a moment and just think of those who have come before. And after we take a moment to reflect, I invite you to speak aloud the names of those who came before you. The names of those who called you out of complacency and complicity and called you into God's work of doing justice, of being peacemakers instead of peacekeepers. So let's spend the next few moments in silence as we reflect on those who come to mind. And when you're ready, just unmute yourself and I invite you to say the name of the ones who have come before. And if you're uncomfortable with saying it out loud, you're more than welcome to write it in the chat. Jody and Eric Garbison. John Kraft. Reverend Liz Theo Harris and Reverend William Barber. Kirsten Cassell. Thank you so much for sharing. So I know I didn't prep you for this. So if you don't have anything nearby, no worries. But we just talked about John the Baptizer. And as we all know, uh, baptism is a ritual that involves water. So as we think of those people who came before me, or before me, before us, <laughs> uh, as we think of those folks who came before us, um, I invite you, if you have some sort of liquid, just to put a little, just a couple drops in the palm of your hand. And we do this uh, as a symbol. And this water can serve as a symbol to remind ourselves uh, that we are marked as one small part of a much larger community committed to justice and peace. So for those of you with water in your hand, I invite you just to slowly rub the water into your hands and know that in this moment and in every moment, we are surrounded by peace. The season of Advent happens during the darkest time of the year, but Advent is preparation for liberation. I want to suggest that most, if not all of the stories of liberation begin in the dark. The darkness is a blanket of protection for those freeing themselves from oppressive empires. 
It was true for Mary and Joseph as they fled for their lives and settled as immigrants. It was true for Jesus as he was cocooned in the darkness of Mary's womb. It was true for the wise astrologers as they made their way to the unhoused encampment where Jesus would be born. It had to be dark. Otherwise, they would not have seen the star, their sign of liberation. All of creation participated in this act of liberation and the powers of the day were unaware. Can you just imagine those astrologers whistling in the wind as they followed the star? I suppose it's also possible that Harriet Tubman and others, a part of the underground railroad, learned some lessons from what happened in Bethlehem. They fled from enslavement under the protective blanket of darkness, singing their way to freedom. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. As Mary gave birth to Jesus in the blanket of the dark, divinity became human. Another one of the candles we are lighting today, the candle of joy. The joy during Advent is in anticipation of the birth of liberation. The ancestors foretold this birthing of liberation movement many generations before it occurred. As an adult, when the time was right for Jesus to become an organizer and work toward lifting the load of oppression, he affirmed what the ancestors said. The spirit, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives and liberation for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn in Zion, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify him. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. The Lord loved justice. He hates robbery and dishonesty. I will fairly give um, them wages and make with them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the people. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a priestly gown, <clears throat> and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, and as garden grows its seeds, so the Lord will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. 
So let us sing in the dark, in solidarity with our ancestors, in preparation for our freedom, and in anticipation for future generations. Let us sing joy to the world loud as a way of saying thanks to our ancestors. Let us sing to the world uh, as a way of garnering collective strength for our present struggle toward liberation. And let us sing joy to the world loud enough so that future generations will hear us as they journey toward liberation. In this moment and in every moment, we are surrounded by joy. I'm lighting a candle, one of the ones that um, I, I uh, got as a new thing I made. And this candle is of the Reverend uh, John Lewis, a Congressman John Lewis. I'm not sure if he was a Reverend, but he was very, uh, he is one that embodied joy in the darkness. And because of that, many of us reap um, freedoms that he did not have. So if you would take a moment and light um, the candle that you have and to uh, as a reminder that in this moment and in every moment, we are surrounded by joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive your King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Let heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. Far fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His Uh, I just like love Christmas songs like an obscene amount. So this is warm in my heart and especially hearing Riley and Shepard Brown singing, singing along. Um, mm, that is lovely. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to invite us now into another theme of Advent reflecting on love. Um, not just love, as an emotion we say we feel towards those that we know and are in our inner circle, but love as embodied. 
in the incarnation of Jesus as love embodied. Um, and as we begin this little section, I'm going to share my screen um, with some images. Let's see here if I can get it to work. Um, And as I share these images with you, I want to invite you just to um, notice what happens in your body as you um, as you view the, these pieces of art of various versions of Mary and Jesus. Um, what feelings arrive in your body? What is the your, the posture of your body? Um, and just take note without judgment um, what might be occurring. And we'll go through these twice. Second time with I'll read a little something over it. And as you continue to receive these images, also receive these words. In Jesus, God took on a culture, became enculturated. The eternal divine word expressed itself in temporal human language. And God took on this human language with all its limitations. The universal word muttered in dialect. He took on the context, became contextual, sank, and he was born, he sank his roots entirely into his actual situation. He was born into a dependent colony, was known as the Galilean, and spoke with a regional Galilean accent. The incarnation asks us to live immersed in our own context, to take on contextuality, to be what we are and to be it where we are, to love our own flesh, land, ethnic group, culture, language, idiosyncrasies, physical form, local peculiarity. And that is a text by Pedro Casal Daliga um, titled The Incarnation from the Spirituality of Liberation. And with that text, um, the incarnation of Jesus is love embodied. And so often in our own lives, we go about not even noticing our bodies, um, the anxiety, the love, the excitement, um, even just the tiredness of what might be inside of our bodies. Um, we become disembodied and therefore, by therefore we end up ignoring not only our body, but the bodies of those around us. And to see the other as, and to see them as they fully are, fully embodied in their flesh, in their race, their culture, their differing abilities, gender, sizes, languages, and all the things that make them truly who they are and human. Um, and to ignore our body is to ignore the body of our neighbor and to ignore the body of not only the individual, but also just the communal body. And in, in that ignoring, we also ignore where love lives. Um, love lives in our bodies and um, it lives inside of us. And when we ignore the other, we also miss that point of love in the other. And to find where love lives inside of us is to encounter the divine. And not just the divine as this external experience, but the divine inside of ourselves, just as Mary encounters in the birth of her son, Jesus. So I want to invite us into a time of reflection. Um, first, by ourselves and then out loud or in the chat, whichever is best for you or feels comfortable in this moment. Um, 
So at first, I just want you to take a deep, take a moment and take a deep breath and breathe out through your mouth and begin to rub your hands together and feel the warmth between your two hands that your own body is generating. And I want you to ask yourself, where does love live in your body right now? And maybe you don't know, or maybe you aren't sure if love is even living in your body right now. Um, but maybe you can ask yourself then, where would you like love to live in your body? And once you realize that, I want you to place your hands on that part of your body. Maybe it is your forehead, your eyes, your neck or your chest. And just feel the warmth between your hands and that part of your body reflecting back to you. And when you're ready, whether in the chat or out loud, um, I want us to reflect back where we see love in our neighbor or our neighborhood, or maybe, or maybe where you would like to see love embodied in your neighbor or your neighborhood and community. I see love often embodied in like the group chat that my youth poets have, as silly as it is, the way they just are kind to each other and in a little tiny group text. Kathy has shared, may I move from love to see love in each and every person I meet. May I treat each and every person I meet in the same love and respect from that place of love. The love hidden behind the smiles by those wearing masks. Yeah. Feel free to keep sharing in the chat as you wish. Um, I'm going to read a scripture over us as we finish off this section. John 1, 114 from the common, common English Bible. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen her glory, glory like that of a father's only daughter, full of grace and truth. And in this moment, and in every moment, we are surrounded by love. Thank you for that, Maddie. So we've talked about peace, love, joy, and now we arrive at hope. Advent, as we said earlier, is a season of anticipation, a season of waiting. In the first century, the Jewish people were living under the Roman occupiers in an economic system that took what little money folks like Mary and Joseph had and funneled it to Rome and Rome's surrogates. Advent has sometimes been referred to as a season of darkness before the dawn. But yet, in the midst of oppression, economic exploitation, and colonial empire building, military occupation, hope was birthed 
hope was birthed in this season before Jesus was born. In the midst of all this oppression, the oppressed community drew from deep wells of wisdom, embodied spiritual practice, and community resolve. Hope and wisdom were birthed before the light came. In Mark 13, it says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even though when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When you see the fig tree twigs get tender, and when you see the leaves starting to sprout, you know that not only will this continue, but it will sprout to completion. Figs will show up on that tree and the community will be able to enjoy the fruit that it produces. So let's take a lesson from the fig tree. In what ways are you seeing glimpses of hope in this season of waiting? Where do you see signs of justice that are just beginning to sprout? What would the community look like, smell like, taste like, feel like when the fig tree sprouts completely and the fruit is ready to be enjoyed? In the first century, the Jewish people were present focused, not future focused. And what that means is that if they saw signs of change, they knew that in time the change would be complete. The first century people looked all around, saw signs of the fig tree sprouting, and that gave them hope and resolve, knowing that God's peaceable kingdom would soon be fully present on earth. So let's take a moment and reflect on the questions that I, I just posed earlier. In what ways are you seeing glimpses of hope? Where do you see signs of justice sprouting? What would the community look like, smell like, taste like, feel like, when the signs of hope that you see now are fully realized. So let's take a few deep breaths. And reflect on these questions. And when you're ready, I invite you just to speak out loud or to put in the chat the answers to any of the questions that you connected with. It looks like not seeing any homeless people on the street. I see neighbors reaching out, helping neighbors in their times of need right now. Yeah, Angela put in the chat, I see mascots, names and flags being left behind. I see Caucasian people, white people, 
willing to look at challenges, willing to look at how white supremacy has ruled and willing to make changes. Yeah, Terrell put uh, in the chat here, the announcement that Roland Park will limit its cooperation with ICE. Anything else? I just read an article in the Kansas City Star actually about how they are owning up to their racist history and present and working to um, to bring liberation around that. Thank you, Latia. Yeah, Angela. Uh, oh, I, there's a couple more here. So Jeremy actually wrote, I see hope in the bold imagining and envisioning of what our communities could be, what we want them to be, a world without police and abandoning of grind culture and a healing from white supremacy. And then Angela wrote, I see everyone being protected from COVID because the majority of people who can safely get a vaccine do so. Well, thank you all for sharing. And we recognize that in this moment and in every moment, we are surrounded by hope. Latia. So as we listen to the story of the birth of Jesus, the birth of liberation, think of times the blanket of darkness has protected you. And if you haven't already lit your candle, light your candle. And if your candle is lit, keep it lit in solidarity with the liberation fighters of the past, present, and future. Now hear the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax list. The first enrollment occurred when Quintius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have a baby. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the guest room. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields guarding their sheep the Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces 
was with the angel praising God, they said, glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They were quickly, they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw this, they reported what they, what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Thanks be to God. Thank you for 
joining us for our the Open Tables Christmas Eve service. And as we end our time together, I invite us to meditate on the images of Jesus and Mary that we have witnessed tonight, the embodiment of peace, hope, joy, and love, um, and share in this prayer together. And at the end, I invite you to blow out your candle as a symbol of sending your prayers off to the divine. So I will say one line, and then if you would like to repeat after me, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The love of God God enfolds us. The power of God God protects us. The presence of God God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is. Wherever we are, God is. And all is well. And And all all is is well. Go in peace and may your holiday restful and joyful and full of abundance and hope for justice to come fully alive and embodied. Happy holidays.